0: Welcome to OCDQ Radio, a podcast from OCDQ Blog, Obsessive Compulsive Data Quality. OCDQ Radio is a vendor-mutual podcast about data quality and its related disciplines, including data governance, master data management, and business intelligence. OCDQ Radio is produced and hosted by Jim Harris, the blogger-in-chief at Obsessive Compulsive Data Quality, OCDQblog.com. On this episode of OCDQ Radio, I discuss data governance and data quality with a special guest. Steve Sarsfield is a leading author and expert in data quality and data governance. His book, The Data Governance Imperative, is a comprehensive exploration of data governance focusing on the business perspectives that are important to data champions, front office employees, and executives. Steve runs the Data Governance and Data Quality Insider which is an award-winning and world-recognized blog. Steve Sarsfield is the product marketing manager for data governance and data quality at Talent. Steve Sarsfield, welcome to OCDQ Radio. Hi, Jim. Great o- to Steve. be here. You have written a book that I really enjoyed called The Data Governance Imperative, which does a great job of explaining data governance and data quality from a business perspective. So I guess the first question I'm gonna have for you is, we're hearing a lot more about the term data governance. Can you start us out with a definition of data governance? It's really not
1: an easy thing to do. I mean, if you go and you look at all the websites that are out there, uh, you can look at Wikipedia, you can look at some of the vendor websites, and they, they all kind of describe data governance a little differently. Even when I talk to clients, they tend to talk about data governance, but when you drill down and you talk to clients, they may be talking about MDM or they may be talking about data quality or some specific aspect of data governance. The purpose of data governance generally is around some of the business drivers. So, for example, the three things that people generally will want to do for a business initiative is increase revenue, increase efficiency, comply better with the law. And then there are many entry points or systems of opportunity. So that could be places you start to do your data governance initiative. That could be around data analytics. It could be around business applications. It could be a full-blown MDM implementation. So I kind of look at data governance as combining all those things together. There's a purpose for revenue efficiency compliance. There are business tactics around data management, collaboration, and education. There are systems of opportunity within a company for improving business applications, And then it requires people, process, and technology to accomplish data governance.
0: One of the things that you had mentioned in the book is that data governance helps to put people in charge of fixing and preventing issues with the data so that we can actually have trusted data and minimize the number of negative events that happen as a result of poor data. It seems like often a lot we hear about people taking on something like data governance in the aftermath of a negative event. Is that something that you see more often? Or are you seeing organizations trying to be a bit more proactive with data governance?
1: Yeah, I think a lot of organizations who are immature with regard to their data management strategy run into that, where there is an event that happens and no one's really culpable for the event that happens. Part of the big thing about data governance is that someone is culpable for the data. You're making someone responsible for managing the data properly. And I think that's a really important aspect of it. I think what you see is that happening a lot in very immature companies. When I talk about data management maturity, I generally talk about it in three categories. Companies who are sort of emerging, companies who have just started their data management strategy. No one is really responsible. There may be one or two people who kind of understand it, but they aren't really driving a holistic view of it yet. A second category of companies, maturity-wise, who I think are tactical, where they may be putting together a new CRM system or a new MDM system, and they're tackling data quality or data management as part of that specific system. And then finally, there are the strategic companies that I think are companies who really have a holistic view. Business users and IT users are working together. Companies who are strategic generally will have less of those events.
0: My experience as well as you mentioned before, we've heard a lot about people, process, and technology. But in the book, you emphasize that the most important aspect of implementing data governance is people power. Data governance is about changing the hearts and minds of the people in the company to see the value of data quality and to foster a culture shift that makes data and data quality spread like a virus in a good way throughout the organization. And one of the roles you said as the evangelist of data governance is something you refer to as a data champion. Can you elaborate on what the roles, responsibilities, and characteristics of a data champion are?
1: A data champion is someone who overcomes resistance to properly managing data within an organization. Underneath all of it is this layer of trust that a data champion must build within an organization. A data champion generally goes up against a couple of different things that prevent good data governance from happening. First of all, there's the corporation, they're always thinking about revenue efficiency, compliance, processes, the corporate mission. The data governance champion has to deal with that. The data governance champion is looking at sort of the emotional aspects of data governance. There's this resistance to change within the organization and people are naturally resistant to change. Maybe greed, there's maybe drudgery, there's maybe fear or indifference. People just don't want to change because they don't care. So there's this emotional side that a champion has to address. And then there's the technical side, of course, who has access to the data, dimensions of data quality. So I look at it as those three things, the, the corporate aspect, the emotional aspect, the technical aspect. Underneath it all, though, that champion has to drive trust to overcome resistance to improving data management.
0: Is a data champion someone who's normally from executive or senior management type of level, or is a data champion someone that's more a low level or frontline worker? Who could be or couldn't be a data champion?
1: I think anyone can be a data champion. I think generally they more often come from IT, people who sort of understand the whole data challenge and they're trying to push the initiative onto the business side. I think more and more we're seeing the business side drive good data management into IT as well. But I think in the past, it definitely has been IT driving good policies and practices. Today, it's more the business driving good policies and practice.
0: You talk in the book a little bit about building sort of the IT business bridge in terms of how different groups within the organization approach or or view data governance. Is that something else that the data champion can help with? Is that cross-functional or or multi-directional translation that helps build that bridge between the business and IT? Yeah,
1: I think when you communicate, you have to speak to your audience. I guess that's the key thing. So make sure that you deliver valuable information that's serving the audience that you're talking to. I think you should try to bake revenue efficiency compliance into all the proposals that you have. So, you know, don't talk about how many records that you want to fix. Talk about how much money it's going to save or how much more efficient the new proposal will be. I think data governance champions can also be ready with things like an elevator pitch. You know, so when someone comes in and says, hey, what do you do for the organization? Be ready with that elevator pitch that talks about how you're improving the marketing departments segmentation of lists and how you're really improving the business side of things. Those are the types of things that will really win over the hearts and minds of the business.
0: In the book, you also talk about some of the other roles and responsibilities that are typically involved in data governance, like executive sponsors, business stakeholders, and data stewards. Are some of them more important than others?
1: I think it gets back to those three levels of maturity. When you're a emerging company, you know, you you don't really have a big data governance team. I think what you try to do is find pilot projects within the organization, you try to find business value, you execute, and then you promote the value that you're providing with proper data management. If you're one of those tactical companies that are in the middle there trying to build data management processes into their IT projects, well, do that. Every IT project, every time that you migrate from one CRM system to another or do an upgrade of a piece of software... Why not upgrade the data as well? So when you're scoping out your project, make sure that you include data quality as part of the scope and proper data management, build it into the plan, make sure that you have the tools in place so that you can stage your project and that data management is part of that staging and so on. I think you can build as a tactical company, build that into the project plan. When it comes to strategic company, I think there tends to be more of a team that's built around data governance who has the holistic responsibility for corporate-wide data management. That can be made up of IT people and business people and C-level people that meet often and communicate well. But you don't really need to just set up a team right away. I think that's something that sort of naturally happens as your company matures.
0: I like the emphasis on the pilot projects because I think sometimes some companies try to start a little bit too big with data governance and they begin by, you know, convening a council, get everybody in the room and talk about high level strategic or tactical things. And then it kind of gets lost into the details of what we actually we trying to do. So as a starting point with data governance, do you think that a series of coordinated projects that have specific focus on business problems that can demonstrate the potential value of data governance is a be- better way to get started?
1: Yeah, absolutely, Jim. That's an agile approach really to data governance, picking off those high level, high value projects that are fairly easy to create wins out of. And that's much better than the big bang approach to data governance, where we try to change the whole organization within a one to three year plan, right? We build our MDM strategy, we build a whole new data management strategy. And then at some point, one to three years out, we're going to turn on the switch and it's going to be a whole new world, right? We'll have better data. Generally that doesn't work, mainly because companies are changing their data management needs quite a bit. If you think about where your company was six months ago, its data management needs are probably a lot different than today. So having a a long-term project where you're spending a ton of money and a ton of time developing an MDM strategy really doesn't work in today's fast-moving business market.
0: I agree, And, and as you were mentioning earlier, one of the things that data governance can help us with is data quality. And you wrote at one point that perhaps the most important sentence in the book is, in order to know if you're winning in the fight against poor data quality, you have to keep score. So can you provide some recommendations on creating effective data quality scorecards?
1: I think the key thing there is, if you look at it from a even higher perspective than that, really you're talking about communication strategy, right? You want a strategy that's going to make sense and communicate the value of data management across the entire organization. So yeah, I and mean, there'll be need for you to put together metrics that talk about how many nulls there are in the data set and what the length of each individual field is. But I'm a big proponent of rolling that up into different levels of metrics. So one of the things that you can do is you can roll that up and say, well, let's take a look at our CRM database. What I want to understand is what's my ability to mail to my CRM database? And that ability to mail is based on the technical metrics. How many nulls are in the name field, how many blank states we have, how many duplicate records we have. can kind of roll those metrics up. I can aggregate them and have this score called the ability to mail. Now, that's a score that's much more effective for the business side of the house. And then I think there's even another level where you can take and say, well, I just want to know, is my data good or not? Is it good enough to use or not? And you can set up certain thresholds for what you think is good enough and what you think is not. And then, you know, have sort of a red light, yellow light, green light system around that. Those are really helpful for C-level guys who really just want to understand whether we're good to go and whether we can do a marketing program. So I think, you know, a whole communication strategy around metrics is really effective.
0: had said in the book that we need data quality scorecards for different internal audiences. And I think far too often we see from just a data quality perspective people focusing on what you call the more technical metrics like the counting of the nulls and missing values in the database which if you're showing that to a high level executive they're not really going to be interested or even understand what that level of detail is. So having things that are rolled up to more of a business user level or an executive level as well as providing the ability that if an executive is looking at a higher level scorecard to be able to drill into that and get some details if they're interested in it is something that I think is missing from a lot of data quality scorecards. In my experience, one of the the biggest mistakes I see people making with data quality metrics is it's measuring data quality independent of any business context. Just doing general completeness or accuracy metrics. Challenges, of course, with data quality is that there are different audiences, but there's also different uses for the same data. So do we need to put together multiple metrics for the same data based on the different uses of that data within the organization?
1: Yeah, I think we do. Marketing is a big user of data, so you know, they're worried about segmentation and making sure they can target their customer. But you know, there's also you know, the ERP people who are worried about making sure they don't have too much inventory or making sure that when they go and negotiate with the vendors or their suppliers, they really understand what they're buying. So I I think we can put together metrics based on the organization that we're talking to. I I think metrics also can be put up around things like verticals. We can talk about a banking organization who wants to comply with all the new banking regulations that are out there. So putting up metrics around what our compliance level is really is key. The medical field, they want to make sure that they're complying with all the medical regulations, with HIPAA. So all of those things really can be sliced and diced in different ways. We can look at verticals, we can look at horizontals, we can really customize it for the organization.
0: part that goes along with that in terms of having the customized metrics is one of the other things you mentioned in the book is that a big reason for poor data quality is ownership of the data. So maybe we have data quality metrics that do a good job of showing that we have particular data quality issues, but who is supposed to take ownership for correcting those issues or preventing future issues of the same kind from happening?
1: I think that a C-level person needs to be involved to designate ownership for that data. You'll have one or two data management catastrophes and you realize, you know, somebody should be responsible for this. So I think that happens naturally within an organization that someone does get assigned responsibility for the data
0: i like to talk about how data is a, a corporate asset, and it's something that's collectively owned by the entire enterprise in terms of overcoming the fact that you know, the silo mentality of certain business units owning certain data and, and working against perhaps building shared repositories like master data management. We have collective ownership, but there's and a shared responsibility in terms of people, whether they're on the business side or the IT side, you need to take responsibility for data quality But at the same time, we have individuals that have to be held accountable for what they need to do in terms of data governance and data quality. So metrics and data governance policies can definitely help maybe at least at the very least make that transparent in terms of letting people know who's responsible for what in terms of the data. Is is that another thing that data governance and perhaps its metrics or policies can help the organization with?
1: Absolutely. And I, I think a lot of times that comes, Jim, from companies who have grown through acquisition. I've seen this a few times now in clients where I've gone in and, you know, there may be an SAP system, an Oracle system and a Siebel system, right? And there are all these teams of people that are positioned around these individual systems within an organization. So how do you get these people to share the information? Because they may have come to the company through some kind of acquisition that happened and everyone wants to kind of be the king system. It is up to the C-level people within the organization to make sure that there's not this fighting that happens within an organization and that there's a sharing of data uh, that occurs. That's really one of the biggest responsibilities of C-level within an organization.
0: One of the things that you mentioned in the book, I I love the, the phrasing of this sentence in terms of going back to the data as an asset analogy. You say that data governance is the coin counting machine that turns your scattered data coins into real assets. So I think a lot of times people don't view data as an asset, maybe they view poor data quality as a liability. How do we really get people to have that shift into the data actually is an asset and a driver of success for the business?
1: I think you always have to talk about data in similar terms that you would talk about asset. Assets generally are again around revenue efficiency and compliance. How is my data making me more efficient? How is my data increasing my revenue? And how is my data helping us comply with the laws that are out there so that people in my company don't go to jail? We always have to talk about data in those terms. And if we do, I think it goes a long way in solving that problem. If we begin to talk about how we manage metadata and we talk about some of the more technical aspects of data, you know, that's great in our small data management community but it's not great when we start to bring that out to the business. So again, I think we have to bring the discussion of data management up to the level of the business.
0: Oh, I definitely agree. Towards the end of the book, you talk about the audacity of data governance and going back to the emotional level that you were talking about before, that when you're working on data governance, it's really a choice between optimism and fear. Can you elaborate a little bit on that?
1: Yeah, it really is a decision between optimism and fear. And I'm glad you brought that up. It's interesting that there are so many companies out there that are unwilling to kind of look under the covers. They say, well, you know, if my CRM system kind of works, my ERP system kind of works. And I think I have good data quality, so I'm not going to profile. I'm not going to try to analyze that because I'm afraid of what I might see. I mean, it's kind of the same thing as if you got a lot of bills in the mail and you were afraid to open up the bills because there might be a big bill in there that you didn't want to pay. I think it's just foolish not to do some profiling, do some proper data management, and get out there and really attack the problem head on. As a company grows bigger and bigger, problem tends to get bigger and bigger, and so companies do need to attack it head on. One of the things that happens is if you don't attack it head on, your competitors probably will, and they'll be more effective with their data and get the leg up on you. So if you want to try to attack it, you want to make sure that you have a leg up on your competitors.
0: It's like that old saying, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But some companies take on the mindset of, if we don't look to see if it's broken, then we won't have to fix it. <laughs> <laughs> We talked a little bit about people and process, but technology obviously has a role to play here. And we've briefly mentioned data profiling and data quality metrics, but from a technology enablement standpoint, what are some of the things that can help a data governance program?
1: This is a pretty exciting area too. Technology has changed a lot over the past decade, over the past five years. We have communication technologies like wikis and blog and social media. Why not use those technologies to communicate about data quality? you might have a wiki that is meant for the technical team to communicate about some of the technical stuff that you're doing as part of your data governance program, but you also might have some of the business benefits and a less technical wiki that you can put out within your company. Regarding technology, there are new standards that are out there because of the internet. So we have things like ISO 8000 standards. We have freely available and open data sources that we can use as reference data. We have matching algorithms, all sorts of great free resources that are available to us on the internet. So I think companies should definitely get out there and try to use some of those assets to help with their data management strategy.
0: I agree. Data governance and data quality is definitely incredibly important to our organizations moving forward. We could say that it is an imperative We have been talking about data governance with Steve Sarsfield, the author of the excellent book, The Data Governance Imperative, which if you do not already have a copy of it, I highly recommend you pick up one. Steve, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us today on OCDQ Radio.
1: Hey, thanks, Jim. It's been fun.
0: Thank you for listening to OCDQ Radio. Go to OCDQBlog.com forward slash podcast where you can find links to the blog post summaries of every episode, ways to subscribe to OCDQ Radio via iTunes and a non-iTunes RSS feed, and a link to listen to OCDQ Radio on your mobile device with Stitcher Smart Radio. And you will find ways to contact me, Jim Harris, via Twitter, LinkedIn, and email. So be sure to visit OCDQBlog.com forward slash podcast. Thanks again for listening to OCDQ Radio, and until next time, may the data quality be with you, always.